time to flex the eye muscles and just give one another a smile with your eyes. I think our eyes are getting stronger in this time. So come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give you Just as you are to worship, come, just as you are before your God, come, so come, now is the time to worship, come, now is the time to give. Just as you are to worship, come, just as you are before your God, come. And one day every tongue will confess you are God, one day every knee will bow, still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now one day every tongue will confess you are God one day every knee will bow still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now come now is the time to worship Just as you are before your God, God. Oh, we declare that one day every time we'll confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. And still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. God, one day every knee will bow, still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now, and we gladly choose you now.
You comfort those in need And you lift us up on wings Like eagles You are the everlasting God The everlasting God You do not fade You won't grow weary You're the your Holy Spirit so come come and have your way come Holy Spirit move among us come Holy Spirit Flow living water, flow within us, flow living water. Your love is alive, it's breaking the darkness, it's bringing the light to soften. 
winning the fight and bringing the orphan home. Yes, Lord, you are everything. You are everything to us, God. Thank you, Lord, that like in the Psalms, Lord, the Lord is our shepherd, God. We have everything that we need. In you we find everything, God. We hunger for you, Lord. We thirst for you, Lord. You are our heart's desire, a deep, deep desire. See my sin 
to be with you this morning and to carry on with our Living on the Frontline series with you today. I'm on the third M, Minister Love and Grace, and Ben did such a wonderful job last week as he spoke with us about making good work, and the week before that when Letitia shared with us about modeling godly character. I'm excited to carry on the series with you today. I heard a story several months ago on Impact Radio. And it was a story about an ordinary girl and her ordinary teacher in an ordinary school on an ordinary school day that was suddenly touched by the glory of God because of one simple act of love and grace. 
This little girl had been coming into the classroom for several days, very unkept. Her clothes were dirty, and obviously she had worn them for several days without a wash. Her shoes were scuffed and one size too big, and her hair was unruly, and you could tell it had not been cared for in quite some time. The other children refused to play with her on the playground. She was alone. The teacher was going about her ordinary day, doing what teachers do, when the compassion of God gripped her heart and opened her eyes. She saw the little girl. She really saw the little girl and felt this extraordinary love for her. During the teacher's lunch break, she invited the little girl to come and sit with her, and she began to carefully do the little girl's hair and fix the little girl's hair. And for the first time in a very long time, the little girl walked into the classroom and felt what she had been called every day, umusle, you are beautiful. This teacher didn't have to do what she did. She didn't have to give her lunch hour away. She didn't have to do more than her expected duties. But, and she didn't have to care. But she did. Grace is like that. It doesn't have to, but it does. Love is like that. Love doesn't have to, but it does. Grace and love are always on the lookout for possibilities. I wonder, do you think what the teacher did was ministry? What do you think of when you think of the word ministry? Maybe you think of really large evangelism crusades like Billy Graham and hundreds and thousands of people coming forward to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. Or maybe you think of stadiums packed with worship teams up on the platform with lights and music and they're leading hundreds and hundreds into worship. Or maybe you think of becoming a missionary to a remote, unreached people group and selling everything you have to go far away. Do you know that ministry can be big and impactful, just like all of those things? But more often than not, it can also be in the mundane, in the minute, ordinary, everyday life. In the New Testament, the Greek word for ministry is diokonia. At its root, ministry means service. The two words are exactly the same, to minister means to serve. And it's not restricted only to within the four walls of the Christian church or only um, for those that have titles or theology degrees. Do you realize that you and I, we never look more like Jesus than when we're serving others wherever our front lines are? Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 28 says this, Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." You know, I'm often struck by the many obscure Christ imitators in the New Testament that ministered love and grace. By their seemingly acts of simple acts of service, they refreshed 
others. For example, Stephanus in 1 Corinthians 16, 15, he didn't have an office, he didn't have a title, he didn't have a position. He just saw a need and he felt the compulsion, that Holy Spirit nudge to simply start ministering. That is serving the need that he saw in front of him within the abilities that God had given him. Or for example, Tychicus in Colossians 4, 7, he was a postal delivery man. He delivered letters. Now, albeit they were Paul's letters, but he was always willing to do whatever was necessary to advance the gospel. In essence, he was a backup singer. He didn't need his name in lights. He didn't need the spotlight. He was just an ordinary guy doing ordinary things, serving others. Do you know, many times we minister love and grace and we don't even realize that's what we're doing. When we take time to have a cup of coffee with a friend and really listen to them. Or we go and visit someone who is sick and depressed and we simply put our hand on theirs and just cry with them for a little bit. Or when we let someone go before us in the checkout line at the grocery store, or when we know our waitress at our favorite restaurant by name. Ministry is as simple as giving a cup of cold water. Matthew 25, verse 37 through 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whenever you did for the least of these of my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. Ministry is as simple as looking someone in the eyes and really seeing them, just like Morius. Let's take a moment to hear his frontline story. Sometimes it's the simple acts of kindness that make all the difference. So often in our busy lives, we rush past one another, not noticing, not stopping to see another, in a hurry, on the go, wrapped up in our worries, consumed by our cares. Let me tell you a story about someone in our community who felt the Lord called him to live a little differently. Marius does his frontline work in a metal workshop. Or more recently, he can be found consulting clients about their own metal work projects. And he sees every day as an opportunity for ministry. At its root, ministry is love in action. It's about taking a moment to engage with the person at the checkout counter, noticing the invisible person, saying good morning to the taxi driver or the person in need of food at the street corner. A few years ago, Marius felt the Lord speak to him about greeting people, including those he didn't know. The instruction was simple. When you make eye contact with someone, greet them. When you look at someone in the eyes, show them the love of Jesus. This simple gesture is a way of recognizing the worth and dignity of everyone he comes into contact with. What happened was, I saw the people when I, they look me in the eyes, then I smile at them. And, and I, then I'm, but I'm friendly, but I do it out of my heart, not to just show. And I saw the change in the people's faces. 
and they, they smile and they were so happy that somebody uh, take notice of them. And then it was about three years I took to answer to the, before the Lord answered me. I asked him, what difference does that make now to a person that he act like that? And then one day he said to me, it gives them value. Noticing and validating people is a part of the way Marius ministers grace and love. Marius references Matthew 25 verse 40 as inspiration. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Marius realizes that being present with people, being right there where they are at, that's extending grace and love directly to Jesus. Isn't it wonderful that something so simple can be so powerful? So you see, every day is an opportunity for ministry. Every day we can choose to be present right there on our unique front lines. Every day we can value others simply by really noticing them, not for show, but from our heart. Didn't Jesus take notice of us? Isn't he called Elroy in Genesis 16, 13, the God who sees. We just have to be on the lookout for how we can, in our own unique ways, refresh others from this overflow of gratitude for the way that Jesus has valued us. We get to value others. Isn't that awesome? Love is about kindness, but it's so much more. Love is wanting and seeking the best for others. It doesn't have to, but it does. Love always finds a way to express itself. Jesus tells a renowned story in Luke chapter 10 and in response to a questionable inquiry, and I want us to take a look at that passage. And we're going to start first with the question from Luke 10, verse 25 through 29. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered, quick, you've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? The question came from an expert in the Jewish Mosaic and Rabbinical Law. It may have been a sincere question, but more than likely, this was a trap. And I love how Jesus gets to the heart of the matter by returning a question with a question. Jesus pointed the lawyer back to what he had been studying his whole entire life. And his answer I find to be very, very interesting. He gives back to Jesus what the Hebrew calls the Shema. It's a Jewish confession of faith made up of three scriptural texts that, that has been prayed consistently morning and evening for generations. One of the scriptures is found in Deuteronomy 6, verse four through five, and it says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Leviticus 19.18, love your neighbor as yourself. The lawyer knew that this was the essence of the law, the commandments summed up in these two things. However, what he forgot was that it was not enough to just hear, to know or to hear the law. A Hebrew would have known that to hear or to shema is not just letting sound waves enter our ears. The words have to sink in. They have to provide understanding and they need to generate a response. To hear involves paying attention, focusing, and most importantly, responding. It means that I will listen and I will do what you say. To love God is not just a feeling or a sentiment. Love is action. We respond to God's love by sharing His love in return. First, back to Him and Him alone. We will have no other gods before Him. And with the way I treat my neighbors, those around me. I love Jesus' response. I can just see it. With compassion in His eyes, He basically says, Okay then, yep, good answer. Just do it. And then he continues walking and the lawyer stands there. He's left there just dumbfounded. You see, here he was knowing what to do, but not doing it. A hearer of the word, but not a doer. And he wanted to quickly justify himself. But, 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 but wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is my neighbor? Maybe I'm okay after all, because it all depends on how one defines neighbor. He thought he could perhaps fulfill the first commandment without fulfilling the second. And then Jesus moves into the illustration and defines neighbor. In reply, Jesus said, this is um, from verse 30, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. It wouldn't have surprised the listeners that Jesus used this particular road for the setting of his story. This road was infamous for crime and robbery. It definitely would have had a hijacking hotspot sign. I've never seen those except here in South Africa. (laughs) People would seldom attempt this journey alone, especially with goods and valuables. So this guy, he was completely foolhardy, and he had no one to blame for his predicament, really, but himself. But here are both the priest and the Levite who are morally obligated by the law and by their position to do something They see their Jewish brother lying there, and they do nothing. They pass by on the other side of the road. I can just hear all their multitude of excuses that they might have used. The road is too dangerous for me to stop and help the man. He might be a decoy for an ambush. 
I am too busy. I have very important ministry responsibilities. I need to go and perform my service for the Lord. You know, someone really should help that man. Uh, I don't know, first aid? I know, I can pray for him. That's what I'll do, I'll pray for him. He brought it on himself. He should never have been alone on such a dangerous road, hello. All of these excuses. Now, what would have surprised the listeners is to hear who did stop to help the man. A Samaritan. Of all the people in this culture, he would have had plenty of reasons to hate the Jewish man and pass him by. Jews and Samaritans despised each other, but instead he had compassion and he sacrificially ministered love and grace. He didn't wait to be asked. He saw the need, he heard the man's cries, and he responded. He did something. He didn't have to, but he did. And then Jesus moves into the application in verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So the lawyer knew who the true neighbor was, but he couldn't even bring himself to say the name Samaritan. You know, ironically, the Jews considered Samaritans despicable and completely inferior, inferior because their religious practices were corrupted. But here he was, a Jew, who neglected the pure and faultless outworking of religion, which is, is to have mercy and to care for others. Now, after Jesus' shocking hero of the story, the lawyer, he no longer could justify himself. He did not have this kind of love. He knew the law, but he didn't practice it. And this parable answered the man's question and guided the application. You must go and do Likewise, wouldn't the world be a changed place if every Christian had the kind of love that noticed the invisible, the lost, the hurting, the discouraged, the hopeless, and did something about it with one simple act of kindness at a time? Sometimes it will cost us nothing. Sometimes you won't even realize that you're, you've ministered love and grace. But other times, it could cost us more. It could cost us our comforts. It could cost us time. It might be an interruption. It might hurt our pocketbook a little bit. But could we commit, could I appeal to you today for us to commit to take the focus off of ourselves and go out of our way to express our love for God by the way that we love others. Could we today choose to yield to the Holy Spirit for Him to produce in us what the law demands of us? Recently, my friend shared a story with me. She's an ordinary crush owner in an ordinary township. It was an ordinary day that was touched by the glory of God because of one simple act of love and grace. 
She was going about her day doing what early childhood practitioners and principals do when suddenly the compassion of God gripped her heart for the lady that lived across the street from the crush, a go-go taking care of her grandbabies and the only one in the family who would once in a while get work at the crush whenever it was available. The principal only had 50 rand left in her pocket to carry her through the rest of the month and she needed it for transport to get back home. But the Holy Spirit kept nudging her give that 50 rand, give that 50 rand to the lady across the street. And she paced back and forth. I can just see her doing this from the kitchen to her classroom, just wrestling with God. But it's my last 50 rand. But finally, she surrendered. And she asked the kitchen lady to take the money across the street to that go-go. Later in the day, the lady across the street came to the crush with tears streaming down her face and thanksgiving flowing from her lips. She hadn't been able to feed her family for three nights in a row, and now she was able to buy mealies. Now, the principal had to walk home that night, but it didn't matter. It was a small price to pay. She didn't have to give her last 50 rand. She didn't have to care, but she did. Love is like that. It doesn't have to, but it does. Grace is like that. It doesn't have to, but it does. Grace and love are always on the lookout for opportunities. And you know, grace is unearned. It's undeserved. And aren't we so thankful how God has loved us? We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. How God has poured out his grace on us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. He didn't have to, but he did. So from the overflow, could we go and do likewise. So now it's our turn. Perhaps you're here today and you are so beyond ready to say yes to the Holy Spirit. You have heard his call and you are ready for him to fill you, to give you a fresh fresh baptism in his compassion so that you can go and do likewise. You're ready to say, yes, God, here I am. Here are my hands. Here are my feet. Take my time, my talents, my treasures, my all. Let your love and your grace flow through me to refresh and serve those around me on my front line, starting now. You're so ready for that. I'm going to pray for you. But I also sense that there are people here who are watching or listening who have been burned and you have been wounded. You've put yourself out there to love others, but you got hurt. You got wounded. You feel like you've been taken advantage of. Or you've had compassion so much, and now you're completely fatigued. Your heart is cold. It is so cold. There's a part of your heart that maybe has grown numb and even dead. Um, I believe there's a fresh baptism for you today as well. The starting point for us to love others well is to receive the love and grace of God for ourselves over and over and over again. We love because he first loved us. Somebody today needs to receive the love and the grace of God afresh and anew. And today, someone needs to choose to stop striving in your own small and meager human resources, all of us do, and to surrender to being a channel of Father's overflowing love and grace. 
as I was praying for this service today, I just saw the Holy Spirit like a paramedic treating someone who had cardiac arrest. The heart has stopped beating. And he gets that defibrillator, I can't even say that word, <laughs> the electric paddles. And I see them just rubbing those things together. And I hear in the spirit, clear. And there's a shock that makes the heart beat again, a heart that comes alive and is free to love again from the overflow of being loved so well by God. Can I pray for you today? Father, I want to thank you for your word that challenges us, for just your simple word. We don't want to complicate any of this. It's just the simple power of your word. And Jesus, you're an expert storyteller that just brings change to us and just confronts us right where we're at. And so we just say, Father, we yield to the Holy Spirit to produce in us the love and the grace that can only be produced by your Holy Spirit. Would you flow through us? Would you make us channels? Would you come and make the dead live again? Father, I pray that people would receive your love in a fresh way today so that it can outflow into their front lines. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to challenge you with this activation point. Could you think of something practical that you can do this week to show grace and love to someone on your front line? For example, maybe you can think about how you're going to engage with the checkout person when you go and get your groceries. Or maybe you can invite a colleague, one of those difficult colleagues, to join you for coffee during your tea time. Or maybe you can make some extra food for your family supper and share it with that single mom just next door. I don't know. I, I think God's going to give you just creative opportunities because his compassion is being poured out on you and it's going to open your eyes to see opportunities that you didn't see before. But we want to ask you to post your action on social media and tag at Hatfield so others can maybe glean from those ideas and be like, wow, that's a great idea. And we could start this movement of Christians really ministering love and grace, serving others in such powerful ways on our front lines. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've been blessed. Um, and yeah, the Lord bless you. Thank you.